Welcome to the University Elite Mental Health Podcast, where your host, Dr. Hans Watson, helps you to learn the why behind mental health issues that you or someone you love may be facing. Dr. Watson is a nationally renowned psychiatrist who is also an expert in psychotherapy, a war-proven leader of the U.S. military, and the only person we know to be an expert in psychiatry, psychodynamics, diet, leadership, trauma, addiction, marriage, education, and more. That's why he was the expert that was flown in to the other side of the country to train the therapists treating the victims and their families after the recent mass shootings you heard about in Florida. We are excited to help you to understand the why behind some real life situations. And now, your host, Dr. Hans Watson, D.O. All right, guys, welcome back to yet another podcast by University Elite. I'm Doc Watson. Like always, we have uh, Jerem here with us. And today we're answering the question that was uh, posed to us, why are mean girls so spiteful? And, uh, you know, this, this term mean girl, uh, it comes from uh, years of people uh, deciding that was the term that goes to individuals. Uh, another one that I've heard in the same vein is uh, Queen Bee. And so um, what we're talking about here are uh, individuals that tend to be head of different groups and they tend to exclude or include people uh, in, their, in their groups and are quite vicious sometimes in their, uh, in their way of excluding or including in people. And so uh, this is the question we're going to address today is what's the psychology behind Mean Girls? And more importantly, we're going to talk about how somebody can work with a mean girl or interact with a mean girl, um, whether they're uh, young or old. And uh, so that's, that's our goal today. So, um, you know, uh, before we get started, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I heard uh, up here and uh, I'm up here in Montana currently, and I was talking with a principal and he told me about a story of a, a group of young ladies. And it was in a small uh, school to where, um, the kids would go into the principal sometimes when they were having trouble with other ones and, and they would kind of use the principal like many people use a counselor. And uh, this principal told me that, that uh, these young girls uh, kept coming into the office and it was the same group of, of about five girls and then there was a sixth girl who this principal had, uh, had turned as kind of the leader and and uh, depending on where your group is, some people may call it the queen bee and other people might call it the, the mean girl leader. Um, but this girl would, uh, would choose one week to say, okay, this girl's in the in group and you get to be part of the friendship group. And then the next week, the, that girl would say, we don't want to be around you. And really quite hurtful because, the, you know, in middle school and high school, it's so impactful to have friends. And so finally, this principal got so sick of it that the principal sat down with uh, each of these girls individually when they come in crying and said to them, well, why do you let this, this leader girl, and we'll call her the queen bee. I, I think that's kind of a fun, fun term to, to steal it from people out there. And they said, why do you let this queen bee decide who gets to be in your group as a friend and who doesn't? And one by one, the girls kind of figured this out. And so the group members eventually just told this queen bee, we don't like you. You're not kind to us. You're mean and you 
purposely kick people out and then you include others and to where nobody really knows if they're on good or bad terms and and we don't like that we don't want to uh, have you interact with us and these five girls ended up making a friendship and excluding this girl that was so toxic and mean to them and uh and at the end of the day the um the mother of that girl came in and said why are you letting these five girls pick on my daughter and bully my daughter like that and then to make matters even worse um the grandmother worked at the school and was convinced that these five girls had been picking on her granddaughter and so that's the that's the basis of uh of um of this mean girl thing and and we're going to use that uh, particular example to to figure out how somebody navigates when they have uh, an interaction with a mean girl or maybe your kids have an interaction with a mean girl and how do you how do you do that so we appreciate this submitted question jerem what do you think uh, right off the bat with such a uh, loaded topic well i love a good mutiny so <laughs> I, I like that they kind of woke up and and decided we don't have to we don't have to put up with this anymore that, that that's interesting i don't have much experience i don't think with this topic i've got one daughter my youngest is a girl and uh, she's the youngest of five i got four four boys and a little girl who just turned five years old and so i feel um like i've been somewhat sheltered from this whole topic and so i'm i'm interested to hear from you and learn more about it. Okay, so let's jump right into it. And I'm going to say, you probably are less sheltered than you thought, but you didn't have the term for them is what I'm guessing. But maybe I'm wrong. Time will tell as we, as we have a little conversation here. So before we get too far into it, I wanna define what a mean girl, uh, what, kind of what creates a mean girl. Now, a mean girl or a queen bee, whichever term we are gonna use, and I'm sure there's many other terms, you know, many people uh, in Hollywood, they're often um, shown as the pretty girl who's also popular and is the, is the prom queen. And, and sometimes that's true. Many times it's not. Um, what really happens is mean girls are often individuals that are, have a very low self-esteem. And the foundation of this low self-esteem is that they fear well, the, the foundation of low self-esteem is that they, they struggle to see the good in themselves. For whatever reason, there's a hundred different reasons somebody might struggle to see the positive in themselves. But these young ladies, uh, and, and sometimes young men, we're going to talk about how a young man can also fit into the mean girl category um, without being a girl. And, uh, but that they have no sense of being worthwhile. And so they're actually filled with fear and terror that somebody else might see what they see when they look in the mirror. They're so terrified that people will recognize their flaws. Um, this includes even their, their romantic interests, their partners, their spouses when they eventually get there. They're desperately trying to control the relationship so that it never becomes a topic or, or leads into an area where they might have to look in the mirror and identify a weakness or an inadequacy. And have to confront that so they just don't have enough self-esteem to be able to confront their weaknesses and so that's one reason that they're unconsciously doing anything they can to steer the conversation or the relationship away from going to a deeper emotional level 
to where they might actually have to admit that they have some inadequacies or some, some difficult things that they're dealing with because they're afraid that those people will see what they see when they look in the mirror. And so throw out the idea that all mean girls have to be popular or they have to be the, the prom queen. I've known many prom queens who are actually very kind and not mean girls, but I have known some that were the mean girl too, just like Hollywood portrays. And so that's the foundation of it. And that's why these mean girls oftentimes will only accept people into their group on the un conscious condition of they have to be able to determine who gets to come and who gets to go. They have to be able to determine what the topics that, that are cool to talk about are and that type of thing. They have to maintain that control because otherwise, if you had an equal relationship, you might actually have to look in the mirror and confront one of your inadequacies. So that's going to be the foundation. What do you think about that, Jerem? I think that's really interesting. It's amazing to me how often these conditions come back to control and, um, and, and that struggle for where you said that they lack self-confidence. So I'm assuming that that means that, that at, at some point in their life, they've felt like they lacked control when they should have been in control of something, whether that's their appearance or the way other people treat them or the, the way that they feel perceived and now they're they're trying desperately and in an unhealthy way as often happens with people who don't understand control but feel starved of that control trying to gain control and am i completely off base there or no you've hit it and let's go to a, la a layer deeper to maintain control is one thing why they need control is the most important thing. And the why is so that they can ensure that nobody brings up the topic of areas where they might have a weakness or an inadequacy. Even if it's only a perceived weakness or inadequacy, it's such a strong, strong situation for them and they don't have that emotional strength to be able to work through it. For instance, uh, can you imagine if I were really worried about my appearance? you know, and I thought, I need long locks of hair, you know, beautiful locks of hair. How inadequate would I feel that I'm completely bald? Right. And I may turn into somebody who's trying to control a relationship simply so that you won't see that I have a bald spot that goes right around there. And right. so uh, kind of a silly example, but that's essentially what's going on. And in fact, it's so desperate to them that they're actually willing to do something in psychology and psychiatry we call splitting, which means if somebody's getting too close to that area where I can't tolerate confronting something that's, that's hard for me to deal with in life, mm -hmm. I'm actually going to unconsciously cause this group on the left to get in a fight with this group on the right. And so that now the focus will be them fighting and I get to detract the focus from me doing that. So that may be one reason that, now this is many times completely unconscious, so that may be one reason that they kick a girl out. And to them, all they know is, I feel very angry, that person must have offended me, therefore this girl is kicked out because she's so offensive to me. Whereas when we get down to the psychodynamics, she's offended because she feels desperate that this person is getting too close where she may actually start seeing some of the emotional warts and scars 
that this queen bee sees when she looks in the emotional mirror. Interesting. So uh, we all need some level of control, right? But a queen bee, maybe that's kind of off balance. They, they feel more desperate for control or they, they need more control than, than other people to, to the point that it extends further or? Not really. No, what it is is, is the control is not their biggest thing. The control is just a tool. The thing that they have to do is they have to avoid confronting emotionally difficult things. Okay. And so control is just the tool they're going to use to make sure that the friendship and the conversation and the relationship never go in that direction to where it's going to be necessary to confront that. Um, okay. And so, and they'll go to extreme lengths to do that. Um, you know, one example would be queen bees are excellent at, at identifying an error in other people, mm. but they're terrible at recognizing when they commit the very same error. So queen bees are very quick to point out, oh yeah, well you did this. And it's the equivalent of me making fun of somebody, haha, Jerem, you're bald, and, right. but I'm completely oblivious that I have no hair on the top of my head. Right. And so, you know, it's kind of an extreme example, but that's what they'll do. And so the queen bee is not wrong when he or she recognizes, hi, you're bald. And that's a negative thing. And clearly this is a silly example. Right. But they're completely oblivious to the fact that they're also bald. And right. so they're much more harsh because they don't recognize the very thing they're doing. And this is one reason that queen bees are so difficult to get along with is, how can you come to me and try to say I'm wrong for being bald and not look in the mirror and realize you're an okay person, you're bald too. So that's kind of a, a dramatic, uh, silly example, but they right. will oftentimes be hypervigilant and correctly recognize other people's faults and completely miss that that same fault is smacking them right in the face and everybody sees it them, but when it's brought up, they're so fragile that they have to push it down into the unconscious and therefore they say, why is everybody attacking me? Because they can't come to grips with, oh, I'm bald too. That's, that's really interesting. I see that a lot in politics. I've never had as good of an example to explain it, but I've always been so frustrated with that where I'm like, you are, are out there just like pointing fingers. And um, I remember I had a boss once that told me this. Uh, he said, anytime you point the finger, just remember you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And um, I thought that was kind of interesting. But essentially you're saying that they can't take a dose of their own medicine. That's people right. People can, can make fun of other people, but they can't handle being made fun of themselves. And so, yeah, that's interesting. So most of the people that are going to be watching this are adults. And so now that we understand what a queen bee looks like when they're in the, the adolescent phase, or the middle school, the high school, and we've all seen that queen bee many times. They're just, you know, I've heard comments many times. I got these. I was a bit of a rambunctious and frankly odd person growing up. I thought differently. And thank goodness I did because it's helping me to become who I am today and I've learned to embrace it. But oftentimes I'd have certain individuals who would say, stop that. You're so dumb. Uh, and, and you see just how superficial that is. Why is it dumb? I'm being friendly to you. I'm joking with you. Why would that be dumb? Why is that embarrassing to you? And so it's only when you become an adult that you start to see that. And so 
we see that and then the question becomes what about when that person becomes an adult and i have to interact with them maybe i go to church with them maybe my children are friends with their children maybe uh you know another way they married one of my best friends and like it or not i have to i have to like this spouse now and so what does that look like so that's the first thing is okay how does it morph into adulthood so let's check that out the first thing is we're going to see oftentimes children not always but many times children reflect their parents so if you have a queen bee grandmother guess what mother is likely going to be or has a higher chance of being and if unless they find a great friend that says to them hey don't do that you're really hurting my feelings and they learn to progress and and feel safe enough in a friendship that they can actually say oh i'm sorry what did i do to make you make that make you to hurt your feelings then of course they could progress past the need to be a mean girl or a queen bee and then they'd say i'm sorry i did that i'll stop doing that and suddenly they become closer friends and you can see how it's so productive yet if you're too fragile it's counterproductive so that's the first thing is they they'll they'll oftentimes have children who are also queen bee or grandma has a daughter who's a queen bee who then has a grandchild who's a queen bee and and so you'll see it in the family lines um and and then another thing we'll see is you'll often see adults having who are queen bees not everybody but many times adults who are queen bees who are emotionally fragile they want to relate with people who are on a similar emotional level so how does this oftentimes manifest not always but oftentimes an adult will ask a child or an adolescent to call them by their first name generally adults call other adults by their first name that's kind of a rite of passage when you become an adult right it goes from from brother jerem or you know your last name to hey jerem i'm now 19 or 20 years old i've become an adult i'm holding a job i'm going to college that is a rite of passage i get to call you by your first name i'm now also an adult whereas uh as a child as, as i'm an adolescent and even a child i probably should be calling you mr or mrs or brother or sister if you're in a church setting so that's one of the easy things that you'll be able to see is if an adult says oh no call me by my first name to a child your red flag should go up oh is this somebody who might be emotionally weak and therefore they're trying to relate with what makes them comfortable with which is a much earlier maturity level emotionally and so um it's it's a way of unconsciously wishing you could go back to your glory days it's if you look at it uh, a good example of a mean guy you know mean girls or queen bee a king bee or mean guy would be uncle rico he's wishing he could go back to his glory days this is from napoleon dynamite right yes the show napoleon dynamite and uncle rico wants to go back and put me in the football game in the fourth quarter we would have taken the state championship and and you can just see that emotional level. That's the equivalent of a queen bee, but a queen, a king bee, if you will, yeah. or a mean right. guy. Right. And so that's the first thing is, is you'll see them trying to relate with other kids on that level. Okay. And, and the foundation of all of this is, look, when you're in adolescence and childhood, you aren't good at reflecting on yourself or self-reflection. You're not good at saying, hey, uh, Jeremy and I are in a fight. Did I do something? that could have contributed to the cause of this. Instead, it's, 
I'm going to paint Jeremy's all bad and it's all his fault 100%. You see how they don't have enough emotional strength to say, what part of this could I have done differently? What part right. is mine? And so um, that's, where, that's where we'll see that. Is it extra difficult in that situation? Because we always hear it takes two to tango. So legitimately, part of it probably is Jerem's fault, right? Yes. But I want to focus on the other person's fault. They want to focus on my fault. We're both kind of inclined, and I would say maybe even more so inclined in that situation to be kind of queen bee. That's right. That's and right. then that would clash even more than normal. So, yes. And, and, and one of the things I like where you're going, you're already jumping right into how do we put up with it? So, one of the easy ways that we need to learn to put up with it is if you can recognize what I'm talking about, well, then you're already at a higher emotional level than you were in high school and middle school. Okay. And so, sometimes the way we help our friends or those that we love is by modeling the very behavior we expect out of them. And so in this case, they say, it is your fault. And you'd say, you know, I'm willing to look at my portion of it. And so we, we start by saying, I'm willing to look at my portion. And then we say, when we finish that, only after we've let them have their say, then we say, okay, I'd like a turn now to tell you your portion of it. Hmm. And if they say no, you say, well, isn't this only fair that we each get a turn? to tell our side, you got your side, I got mine. And many times, if they're unable, they'll cut you off. Oh, you're, you're, I can't be friends with you. And essentially, they're doing you a service. I, I can't be friends with you. But many times, what actually happens is, these queen or king bees, you're the first one that has made it safe enough to where they were actually willing to look at themselves. They won't do it with anyone else. But with you, where you were willing to take the high road and say, yeah, I could see how that is. Man, sorry about that. I could change that. Hey, here's a little thing I was wondering if you could take a look at too and give me your opinion on. And then you get to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. You get to give it. And many times they'll they'll reflect what you just did. Yeah, thanks. You know, they won't thank you, but they'll, they might actually say, yeah, I'll look at that. And now suddenly you are modeling the very behavior you hope to. And so they're abandoning. You're no longer a threat. You now have become safe. And so they don't have to become splitting or that queen bee in your presence. You're a safe one. Okay. Many times you said, many times they will reflect what you've just done. Not guaranteed every time, but many times. Oh, and, and in fact, if let's, let's do it this way. What if you're a queen bee and you are so bad at self-reflecting and you're so emotionally fragile that now you're blaming your daughter for being picked on when the five girls in the group say, get out of here. We're so sick of you abusing us. We don't want you to be part of our group anymore. You've ruined that. You've proven that you are just toxic. And now this mother says, how dare you bully my daughter like that? Now what's the emotion on top of that? Many people have nicknamed this the mama bear syndrome. Right. And people who say mama bear syndrome oftentimes are those who have no clue that what they have is a queen bee who is too emotionally fragile to look at their own side, and they're completely oblivious that they're blaming somebody for the very thing they've been doing. And so now you throw your child suffering on top of that? Right. How ferocious, unconsciously, are they going to defend against that and the idea of, 
not only do am I doing it, now I'm teaching my daughter to do it. So I've ruined two generations. Can you see how dangerous? Those people are not going to abandon their mama bear or protecting their children. They're not going to be willing to say, hey, I'm self-reflecting. Turns out we really messed this up. We were really unkind to these five girls. That's why they did it. How about if we instead recognize our part and we'll go there and say, hey, we're sorry. Can we still be friends and the five girls accept you? No, they can't do that. It's too emotional because they might actually have to face and I'm ruining my daughter. Right, right. Well, what I find really interesting about that is that there are a lot of people um, or situations where this kind of characteristic seems to, to coincide with that characteristic of mothers who kind of resent their daughters for getting the attention from the dad or whatever different reasons. It, it feels like sometimes they are at odds with their daughter, but then when their daughter all of a sudden can be seen as a victim, they turn into that mama bear. Yes, very good. I love what you just brought up because if you are a queen bee, you can't go to an emotionally deeper level. So who are you going to seek out unconsciously as a, as a, pay, a mate, a partner? I said pate, uh, that's partner and mate as one. So who are you going to seek out in that? You're going to seek out somebody who's also going to stay very emotionally superficial. You're going to seek out Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. It's going to be person who's still living in high school because that's your emotional level. You need somebody who matches your emotional level. So you'll often see these people, they'll seek out individuals who have slight Asperger's type uh, symptoms. These are people, Asperger's are people who their brain does not see the need to experience emotions. And uh, that's another podcast as to why that happens. But these, you know, Asperger's is thought of, and, and many in the DSM-5, it's even categorized as a very, very light version of autism symptoms. They're not autistic individuals, but they have some autism symptoms. And one of the big ones is they just plain don't, uh, don't catch a lot of the social norms and so they don't go to a deeper emotional level. Everything's completely logical. You think of Spock from the Star Trek. That would be about like Asperger's to where there's no emotion. Well, isn't that perfect for a queen bee? Or the other option is if they need a little emotion, why not get somebody who's still the jock in high school and they still hang around and they try to live through their kids' sports or their kids' things in high school. They're trying to get back to their own glory days. So they'll marry somebody else who wants to get back to the glory days of high school, even if that means marrying the high school jock who's not going to treat you as well, but unconsciously, they're on your emotional level. Interesting. Okay. So earlier you were saying it's kind of in dealing with this, it's seek to first to be understood or seek first to understand, then to be understood. And Yes, that's right. And saying that that's the only way you can deal with this is by first giving them what they need, which is to that understanding and that admission of my side of things. Okay, yep, I hear what you're saying. Reflective listening. You're right. I did that wrong. I did this wrong. Now, can I have a chance to um, to explain my concerns? Yes, okay. and if you do that. 
many times what happens is, and, and I hate to put it this way, the queen bees will often pick a doormat for their spouse. Yeah. Um, you will often see the queen bee, and whether she was popular or not, she's going to pick a doormat who lets her walk all over her, and he's happy with it. You know, for whatever reason, that's okay. And if that works for them, that's just fine. But the problem becomes, well, then what about the queen bee? Because the, the guys who are doormats, they often are really nice guys. So they have everybody who wants to be their friend. But they hate being around. They're bossy and controlling and often emotionally detached and oblivious to their own problems that they're pointing out to others. Spouse. And so that spouse is sitting there saying, uh, you know, this person's bad, that person's bad, because anybody who forces them to self-reflect, they, they unconsciously see that as an attack because it's forcing them to do something they don't have the emotional stability to do. And therefore, a lot of, a lot of guys will say, man, I'd love to hang out with Doc Watson, but man, it's just torture to be around his queen bee wife. And so oftentimes these doormats are perfect for them because they can control everything. And if that doormat starts getting too close to their emotional area that they're fragile, they can become angry and the doormat, oh, I'm so sorry, what did I do? And so there has to be a level of saying, yes, you accept what you did wrong. But then in order to have a real relationship, there has to be some acceptance of saying, and now I get a turn to give you my perception what you did wrong. And without that, there's not going to be a healthy relationship. A doormat may put up with it forever, but that doesn't mean it's healthy. Okay. They're fulfilled. And, and I deal with that in psychotherapy with people that everybody else would say, they're so happy. And then they come into psychotherapy and they're like, I'm miserable, but you better not tell anybody I ever said that. Right. <laughs> because that will only make it worse. Yes. Right. So where, where do we typically find these queen bees? Well, what are their glory days, Jerem? What, when's a queen bee's glory day? High school. High school. Right. So where do you think these, do these queen bees have the emotional strength to go and do extremely hard things generally, like college and get a degree and these types of things? Not most of the time. They're most comfortable in high school, and most of the time they do not have the the resiliency to be able to get a degree. So in what types of jobs in the high school often will you see them? Um, as a teacher or, well, I guess you need a degree, degree, right? Yeah, right. So they'll be secretaries, okay. they'll be lunch ladies, they'll be custodians. They're, and not all lunch ladies, secretaries, don't, don't misinterpret this. Mm -hmm. Many more of the secretaries and lunch ladies and custodians are not queen bees and they're extremely emotionally strong individuals. But among those that are weak, those are jobs where you'll often see them. Uh, you'll see them in other places like uh, medical offices as secretaries and receptionists. This is, this is where oftentimes the queen bee finds herself because she can't tolerate the emotional difficulty that comes with getting the degree. And unconsciously, she's striving to be back in an environment where she fits in with her maturity level, high school, middle school. That's why oftentimes you will see them as the secretaries. And do they, are they content letting the person with the education and the credentials being in charge? No, 
because they might take it to a place that they're emotionally uncomfortable. So this oftentimes when you do see them, these aren't your secretaries who are wonderful. Instead, these are your secretaries who are trying to do the principal's job or they're the secretaries who think they're going to tell the doctor what the best case of action is. Right. And see how that works. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, so, and for men that might be janitors and um, repair jobs and even coaching. I, I know that I don't want to expose too much, but we had a coach in a age bracket in a town that I may or may not have lived in growing up who um, was pretty unstable. He would throw kids across the room and things um, through, through a barbell through the wall and, and some things. What's your take on that? Where are the men, the king bees, going to be kind of found? Sounds to me exactly like somebody who is a king bee. They're going to be emotionally unable to do hard things, and and in you can see they'll lash out in ways. Whether it's excluding certain people from the group that make them that that essentially cause it the the relationship to go towards confronting their their inadequacies or whether it's lashing out in the opposite direction, which is throwing kids or, or dumbbells through the wall, you're seeing that either way, this is a sign of complete emotional fragility. And so that's tough for them. And, and it takes psychotherapy and, and trusting relationships for them to learn to overcome that and realize they're okay in spite of being a flawed individual. And so this is also a scene when these people oftentimes unconsciously will live through their children. Your child's in school. And so they're kind of living their glory days through their kids. We've all seen that parent who, who is still trying to, to do anything they can to stay connected to high school. Right. They're, you know, maybe they're, they're, even if they do, many times king bees for some reason, they're able to get degrees. And then they'll immediately go back and, and they never miss a high school football game. And they'll attend half of the practices. And, and it doesn't even mean their kids are in it, but they get way too enmeshed in that culture. Nothing wrong with helping out the team. In fact, that's, that's a huge service. But when you start becoming one of the kids emotionally, that's when you know you're a king bee. And what happens then when they lose that connection to high school and their children graduate? Mm. We often see anxiety, depression in those years after they after they become an empty nester and did they did they cultivate a deep and emotional relationship with that spouse of theirs once the distraction of the kids are out of the home they have no relationship with that husband or wife so their marriage is oftentimes falls apart so you can see how this is that it's it's a terrible thing to let keep going on and not work on Right. Okay. So um, I try not to name names, but this is a very public and out there name. <laughs> Brock Turner. You know the name. I don't have a clue who that individual is. Okay. Brock Turner was um, a college kid on track to be a huge Olympic swimming star and was on his way home from a party in college, found a girl passed out and did some horrific things to her. Did he sexually assault her is what I'm assuming? 
he did yeah okay. in the most horrific ways possible okay. destroyed her ability to ever have children destroyed her future and his dad in court stood up and testified that 15 minutes of stupidity shouldn't ruin the rest of his life and here's this girl who the rest of her life has been ruined and i, I just remember being utterly dumbfounded that a parent could act that way and then to see this example where somebody's saying oh i, I don't even have a second thought about this the victim in this situation but my child shouldn't have the rest of his life ruined for 15 minutes of his behavior not even considering the consequences to the victim so you're seeing a perfect example that you just gave and a very extreme and, and tragic example but it's still perfect in that he was able to recognize that hey you shouldn't ruin somebody's life based on a momentary desire you know it's, it's just a momentary desire to punish this kid this will pass but he totally missed the obvious one which was but my kid did this and if he had done that would he have had to look in the mirror and said i taught him these behaviors by doing this or that you know maybe not to that level and not the same behavior but if you don't teach somebody responsibility and that your consequences have actions maybe that leads to eventually step by step by step getting worse and so right. a lot of times this this is the very thing that people do is they can't look in the mirror because unconsciously they would have to look at themselves and and certainly i don't want to blame all parents children make decisions that are completely the opposite of how they were raised but that's not always the case sometimes they're just reflecting what they were taught right and the examples they had and so well and in this case this was on the national news and that was everybody's response it was like oh no wonder the kid did did something like that if this is the kind of parenting he had and it, it goes back to what you're saying with people being completely oblivious uh, I, I would have been very embarrassed to to defend my child like that on national tv where everyone that attention would be like whoa you're a bad parent and it seems like this parent was not even cognizant of that being a possible reaction. So you can see how being emotionally fragile, and we're all emotionally fragile in some way, Yeah. but if that emotionally fragile way takes you to a position to where you can't logically think through things anymore, that's where we're gonna be in trouble. And that is where queen bees and king bees live. And so, you, you know, when you're dealing with these people, the first thing I would tell you is don't react in an emotional way like they have because now you're you're demonstrating to them this is the appropriate way to react when you're overwhelmed instead right. stop and realize they are so emotionally fragile that i shouldn't feel anger towards them i should feel some compassion some empathy can you imagine how miserable their life is because they will never be able to avoid adversity and they don't have the skills to deal with it. They're being asked to be an adult or do that job that they don't have the fundamental tools to do. They likely need a good friend and some psychotherapy to be able to overcome this. And if they do overcome it, 
they're a threat of now not having a connection with their mother or father because their mother or father aren't going to want to be around somebody who reminds them that they're inadequate. Right. And so that's all often a problem with therapy. As people get stronger, if the couple doesn't get stronger together, what you're looking at is it often breaks a couple up because now they're not on that same emotional level. And so the, the queen bee gets therapy, gets better. Well, the, the high school jock that can't leave high school, he's not better. He doesn't want to have these deeper emotional relationships and conversations where they look in the mirror and self-reflect. So now they break up and they just use the superficial thing to break up. Oh, you're always picking at me. You're, you're just trying to control me. And what they're really saying is, I don't have the strength to be able to self-reflect. I'm too fragile. Therefore, when we deal with that as adults, the first thing we can do to not let them just drive us batty is realize that. The second thing we can do is kindly put in firm boundaries. You don't get to bring a problem to me if you're not willing to hear, the, hear my side and, and be able to receive what I think you need to work on as well. This isn't a one-sided work on it. Either both of us or none of us. And so you'll see them quickly withdraw. Um, and so it's going to take maturity and, and even some brotherly love to do that. So when you do that, the biggest tool you have is recognizing just how miserable they are. And that often allows us to have compassion. And then we can kindly say, you know, Jerem, if you want to bring up things that I'm doing wrong, I'm always open to hear it. But you have to be open to hearing my side of it, too, and me pointing out where you're wrong. And that's tough for them. But yeah. you'll see people grow. And oftentimes they, okay, well, I'll hear it. And the first time they're, they're not going to hear it. And then the second time they're actually considering it. A third time they may actually make some, implement some changes. And sometimes it takes more times. But that, that's kind of how you do that. So that's the queen bee. That's what's going on. I hope it, I hope it helps some people to realize what's happening. And um, oftentimes if, if that grandmother is a queen bee and that mother's a queen bee, you're not going to have any other option than to do like this principal did when she said, why do you continue to let her be in your friend group, you five? If you five kicked her out, she wouldn't have a friend. And even though mom and grandma both talk about how their daughter's being bullied, the truth of the matter was those five girls, according to that principal, they were as happy and as close a group and they didn't have to come in crying into her office ever again. So, so that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, the, the, the answer to our question, which was, why are they so spiteful? And the answer is, they're just that fragile. And so as you're dealing with them, show a little compassion, give some firm boundaries, and be patient. And you'll, you should come out, and I'll be honest with you, I have many jocks and queen bees that I'm very good friends with because I've done that. And they do grow, and they do, um, they do mature, even if it's just in the interactions with me. So if you have any more questions, remember, on the universityelite.com website, you can go to the ask a doc section, ask the doc section, submit your question. We'll keep you anonymous and we'd be happy to, uh, to answer your questions and you just might get a podcast out of it. So any parting words, Jerem? Um, just uh, the focus on patience. When you said that oftentimes they will respond in kind, I was like, oh, okay, I'm really gonna have to focus on that often it's not a guarantee that they'll do that every time but uh having patience and working towards that eventually will improve the situation it sounds like that's right okay until next time i'm doc watson that's jerem we'll see you on the next one